Hello and welcome to Startup Scout. I am your host Nick Hines and this is episode 3 of the Startup Scout podcast. So how does a sailing trip sow the seeds for an electrical vehicle charging marketplace? How does an effort to simply get extra credits to university turn into one of Europe's most promising eco-friendly startups? How does a startup pivot entirely from being focused on hardware to now being dedicated to software? And how, through all of this, does that startup's members radically change its team, fire some of its founders and even its very own CEO, voluntarily stepping aside for someone else to take the reins? On this episode of Startup Scout, you'll learn how Osman Mulfrengstad did all of this and more with his startup, Meshcrafts. We go in-depth with Usman to hear how he created his Norwegian-based startup, a marketplace and platform in the electronic vehicle space catering to both businesses and consumers alike. Usman and Meshcraft's story is compelling and one filled with plenty of ups and downs. It's full of insights for founders, customers and prospective investors alike. So let's get right to it and hear Meshcraft's story. Hello and welcome to Osman Mulfrengstad. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show, Osman. I've been looking to get in touch with the most inspiring startups in Europe and around the world, and your business just looks incredible to me. Meshcrafts is doing something which is really inspiring. I think it's really on point what you're doing with a, an open marketplace for the electrical car charging industry. And um, I, I was desperate to get you on the show. So thank you so much for accepting my invite. Yeah, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, it's really awesome to be able to talk about what I put my heart and soul into the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to be working in an emerging market where nothing is set, but everybody is agreeing on the goal. So that's really interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and, and how, as you said, you've, you've thrown your heart and soul into this. What's your background and how did you come to say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to get involved in this business. I'm going to build Meshcrafts. Yeah. So uh, the story has two parts. First of all, I was out sailing uh, for my summer vacation. Uh, uh, yeah, probably seven, eight years ago. And I had to recharge my battery for my sailboat. And they charged me two, uh, 20 pounds to charge a 12-volt battery. And next to me, there was this big party yacht with big sound system lights and everything, having this huge party. And they had to pay the same amount of money for the energy. And that just got me really upset. And I thought, this is not fair. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I started dribbling with a solution where, where this could be some fairness in it. And the second part is I, I study to be a mechanical engineer at the Norwegian University of Life Science. Mm-hmm. And uh, there I did my major in product development. And I, I basically needed 10 credits to finish my uh, uh, economical side of the degree. And I heard that uh, student enterprise was a very chill course. <laughs> so uh, I took that and they, they made me pitch an ID. And then I realized uh, I, I remember the, the pain I had uh, with uh, the energy for the sailboat. And about that time, the real EV revolution of Norway had happened. And I thought, yeah, let's, this problem is going to be on all electrical cars. So let's try to make this solution for the, fitting the, the, the electrical vehicle. When did you spot this? What year was this? 
that was about uh, the fall of 2013, I guess. Right. Okay. So you saw even then that, you know, things were changing. We're going from uh, combustible engines towards the electronic vehicle side of things. And you saw an application of your concept of a solution for actually a wider marketplace, that being cars. Exactly. But at the time, since I was an engineer and was used to building physical stuff, I thought it all was about building charging station. So uh, as a proper engineer, you know, uh, I thought I was creating the decentralized charging network of the future, Mm. going about it in a very complex way. But that's where we started. And then uh, uh, we took this student enterprise and we won some awards and thought this is a real business. Mm -hmm. So then we established a company late uh, December 2013 and just kept building on it. Fantastic. So what does that solution look like? What does Meshcraft do? What what is the product or products that have um, come from that business now? Yeah, so uh, to start with, with the start, we thought, we were a hardware company uh, targeting the B2C market, uh, selling and creating uh, affordable charging stations to homeowners. Uh, and we went about it the whole wrong thing. <laughs> and by the t- time we realized that we were doing it wrong, all the big players had already uh, entered the hardware market. Right. And uh, then uh, we, we realized, okay, what are we actually good at? And what we realized is we are good at understanding how a very fragmented uh, market uh, and a solution, how everything is interconnected. And we realized that we, our mindset was more like a software company Mm. than a hardware company, but we didn't have any um, uh, developers. So uh, we, we kind of uh, did the switch from B2C hardware to B2B software without having uh, any developers. <laughs> okay. Uh, and uh, uh, then we started recruiting uh, people to, to build a solution. And once we dug into the nitty gritty of everything, we found out there was some uh, alliances for an open standard and the way hardware was supposed to communicate and we got involved in that and then starting to put all the bits and pieces together to create a horizontal platform that connects to different verticals in the intersection point between e-mobility and smart grid. So that's really interesting. You, you took multiple different problems and multiple different sort of pain points for businesses um, that are looking to supply energy to these cars to these electrical vehicles and you've basically simplified that entire infrastructure for them is that fair to say yeah and so what then does that look like as a solution is there a platform through which these companies sign up to and you take care of all the rest or is there a degree still of is there any sort of hardware involvement that you're working with them on in order to make them being able to supply these electrical vehicles? No, you, that's a really tough question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll say this in the way my board wants me to say it. Okay. Uh, no, uh, so we are a SaaS platform. That's a Ma- uh, Azure Cloud, which anybody who owns a charging station could sign up for. 
then uh, we also have uh, user interfaces towards other stakeholders in the e-mobility scheme, uh, such as utilities, uh, service and support companies, electricians, and so on. So they're your, they're your target market. How has that experience of going to market and looking to get these providers signed up to the, to the Meshcraft platform, how has that gone? Uh, so uh, it's finally it's going. So okay. uh, if I knew, know how how much hassle it would have been, I would probably not do it. <laughs> do it. Uh, uh, but uh, but but it's going. And at the same time, we have a, a mobile application for the the EV driver, mm-hmm. so we can connect the the actual end customer towards the platform. This is smart charge. That smart charge uh, EV uh, you can get it on both Google and. Uh, Apple, yep, and uh, the rest of the stakeholders just go through our, our dashboards, and thus we create the interconnection between the different parties mm-hmm. and make add-on valued services for everybody. Mm-hmm. Because I suppose that is one of those problems that people often speak of with regard to electronic vehicles is, well, am I going to be able to get from point A to point B in one charge and if i'm not then will i be able to find a charging point along the way and i suppose it's is it smart charge which solves that problem for that particular use case yes uh, so 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 it is so already in 2015 we when we released our first version of the app we can send a nissan leaf from manhattan in on the east coast of the us mm-hmm. to seattle in washington uh, uh, on the West Coast with our application, uh, and we could calculate the uh, amount of time uh, it uh, needed to do the trip, uh, uh, as well as the charging, and if it was possible to do it or not. I would not recommend anyone to do that trip, but it it, it was possible. Well, that's great. I mean, I suppose all that kind of data as well would feed back towards the the business-to-business platform so that those providers understand the, the kind of metrics that they could expect from people who are using these electronic vehicles, you know, making those journeys. And I suppose how much business they could get from signing up to your platform. Yes, exactly. And even better, with that data, they can also see how can I attract the right customer for me. So a charging point is not just a charging point. It has different speed. It has different technology. It has different connectors, which yes. means that, that it does not necessarily fit everybody. And the end consumer wants something that fits the car delivers the amount of service for the price they would like to pay. So it's all about taking different types of information together and provide uh, a helpful, uh, user-friendly platform to make decisions. It's clear to me, and I think clear to everyone, that we are going to be going electrical. Every vehicle is going to be an electrical vehicle. The European Union is is pushing for this in particular. I think everyone can see that fossil fuels as a... um, as a, as a form of fuel is going to become redundant within, you know, I suppose in the longest time frame, something like 40 to 50 years. So you're at the start of a, of a big wave at the moment. And yeah. that to me, if I'm an investor and I'm looking in at your company, I'm thinking, okay, you know, Meshcraft has started early at the start of a wave. Does that then kind of 
position you well for investment? Does that position you well for growth in this area going forward? Uh, yes and no. Uh, so, of course, uh, having experience from an early stage gives us a great position. Mm. But uh, uh, not all investors uh, are, are looking into the crystal ball and see how <laughs> stuff is developing. Uh, and uh, to be honest, the market shares is ridiculously low anywhere else in Norway. Okay. Uh, so uh, it's all about getting the people that are willing to take the position in the transition that uh, is to come. And the last year, we see that there's many more that has realized this and are, are interested. Uh, so uh, we, we are, uh, since we are about to do our Series A, uh, we, 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 we are talking to multiple entities that, that is interesting, but it also means that it's been really, really, really hard getting investments uh, because uh, economically it hasn't made sense yet. So does it mean then, I suppose, thinking outside the box, is it that there's there's a two-sided marketplace there where you're trying to connect the providers and the consumers, you know? Um, yeah. Is it fair to say, though, that governments and government agencies are really the providers who you're going after to, to try and influence policy with them and, and get them on board? Uh, so, uh, yes and no. I actually pitched for the European Commission uh, in 2014, and uh, I, I won that pitch as well. enough, But they didn't believe that the change was coming. And that was in 2014. But uh, so two years later, uh, with all the new policies of the European Union, you see all the, the big uh, car OEMs are pushing for electricity. We have diesel gates. So uh, everything is just lining up for the major push. Mm. And what we see is in Norway, uh, we have actually a sustainable EV market. And we then gather experience from the Norwegian market, which helps us provide a solution for the future that we can deliver to Europe, Asia and the US today. So would you say then that Norway is actually ahead of any other country in terms of the EV market? Uh, I would say in the adoption rate, yes. In the in incentive uh, rates of the policies, yes. Uh, when it comes to production of EVs, no. Uh, we we have some good companies making charging stations that that could be competitive, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, from kind of the vendor side, uh, uh, we, we, there are other countries that could compare. But when it comes to adoption rate and uh, the user feedback we have. Nobody can compete at the moment. It sort of feels to me like Norway can be a, um, a testing ground for this platform and this business. It, I mean, we should be looking towards Norway for what is going to be coming down the line. Yes, uh, and uh, actually many are. So uh, when I'm in the office in Norway, we probably have one or two delegation every two weeks coming in to see what we're doing, how we're doing it, 
to try to implement that back in their own country. So come to Oil Norway and see how the decarbonization of yes. automotive industry is going to happen. Because all of Norway is de- looking into decarbonization now. We realize that what made our fortune is not sustainable mm-hmm. and we, we really need to push for a change. Like when the, the government put the policies that from 2025, it's illegal to sell a new car that uses an internal combustion engine. Just when you mentioned there about Norway and and what made Norway so rich being the oil, it reminds me of the oil-rich Arab states and that they're looking towards other forms of energy and other forms of commerce that are going to keep their economy going in the future. So they're There are correlations there, funnily enough, between, I suppose, Northern Europe and the Middle East. Yeah. So there are some smart dinosaurs that that sees their current business model is not sustainable and they need to change. So I I, I think actually the the Middle East region is a quite interesting one Mm -hmm. to to look into. Uh, Of course, uh, it's not going to be as big as Europe, but it's definitely an interesting case. And we already see that uh, Dubai and other uh, UAE states mm-hmm. are, uh, are are doing cool things when it comes to uh, the transition, especially in the mobility sector. Yes, that actually leads me on pretty nicely, I suppose, then to what is the sort of roadmap that you're looking at now over the next 12 and 24 months? So you were talking about, you know, Europe, and we've talked a lot about, we talked a little bit about the UAE there, um, but Europe seems to be the kind of focus of what you've talked about thus far. So what what does your sort of business and, and product roadmap look like over the next 12 and 24 months? So uh, the business is a European expansion. Uh, it's easier to understand the business culture and this is the primarily markets for EVs, if save California and the Chinese market. Those are, are, are probably the easiest for us to realize what we can do. Of course, uh, both China, East Asia and uh, uh, the US is very interesting, but uh, uh, we would need quite a lot of funding to be able to uh, enter those markets as well. Mm-hmm. So we're focusing on the 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 biggest ones uh, close to ourselves okay which is europe which is europe and when it comes to the product side um it's just keep developing uh up the platform solving more stuff for everybody and make sure that uh people will uh benefit of using our software Mm -hmm. Osman you actually brought up as well that investment is something that you're looking at at the moment can you tell us a little bit more about that process and and what is it that you're looking to raise and then I suppose what is it that you'd be looking to do with that money so yeah uh, now you're really asking hard questions Uh, (laughs) that's what this show uh, is for (laughs) uh, so um, my dream is to raise uh maybe uh somewhere between five and ten million euros mm-hmm. uh, um, i'm not sure if we're going to do that in the series a okay because we, we we still need to have some growth uh to be able to say to have a valuation that we are comfortable with uh for, for that but we see uh 
a smaller Series A, maybe a bridge round before that, uh, to uh, just keep up the development, uh, add on to the team to to speed up. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are entering the German market specifically at this time. So uh, that's probably where uh, most of the money will go. Yes. You mentioned team there. Who are on the current team? What what are maybe some of their backgrounds that kind of make them the ideal team for Meshcrafts? So first of all, uh, I'm so blessed and lucky to work with such amazing people that's on my team. Uh, so um, we have uh, three uh, software developers uh, who, who who primarily builds this uh, awesome solution, the back end and the front end, mm-hmm. uh, which all has masters from uh, prestigious uh, IT uh uh, university in Norway and in France, and uh, together uh, we have two uh, two awesome sales guys. Uh, one is coming from a type of a sales uh, education and sales background, working for uh, bigger companies in Norway, and one is coming directly fresh from uh, uh, college uh, as an engineer and doing technical sales. Excellent. And uh, then we have our new CEO since I uh, stepped back and, uh, and are just doing product development and business development, uh, who uh, is a reformed petrol head that used to run <laughs> uh, uh, the, the high-end sports car uh, dealership in Norway, who has an education from a uh, yeah, hotel <laughs> I see. Uh, which is doing this, and uh, it's kind of awesome. Uh, we all like, unfortunately, we all do enjoy our uh, twelve valves, uh, big engines, and, big cars, <laughs> and here we are uh, transforming the world into <laughs> something that doesn't fit uh, fit what we need. Uh, but the, the mix of these people and uh, uh, our uh, network is just helping us, us go there it sounds like a, a kind of a crack team you know it's a you've got everything all the bases covered right from you know people who are incredible developers uh through to engineers and excellent salespeople. and all the while you have got some sort of uh you know reformed petrol heads as well i suppose yeah. at the same time <laughs> basically everybody is a reformed petrol head <laughs> Say one of the uh, uh, the sales guys, uh, uh, she isn't that into cars, but the rest of us is like, oh, have you seen the new uh, <laughs> this and that? So, uh, yeah, it's quite fun. What do you make of all the um, of what's happening with Tesla at the moment and, and what Musk is doing? So uh, Musk is my hero. The, the guy invented internet banking. He revolutionized uh automobile history uh he was not the first one to build uh an ev but he was uh, at least in the last 80 90 years the first one that really built an ev i would like to buy mm-hmm. uh, so uh, i find what he's doing quite inspiring uh from a business point of view how tesla is doing and uh, so on uh there's a lot of talk from big uh, big guys uh that is running big uh car OEMs that's not doing it, doing that well. Uh, but I think it was the CEO of um, Daimler that said it directly, 
that the execution of Tesla was done perfectly. That's the way to do it. And uh, yes, they have a lot of issues with the pro uh, producing the Model 3 at the moment. And he's launching a lot of stuff that somebody says is to take away the heat from uh, not performing as well as they do. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll think they'll pull, pull through. But if not, the Model 3 is getting out to the masses. Uh, with a, a significant race of quality of the builds yes. uh, uh, compared to the, the later models, I don't think they will be a competitor for the big markets because uh, uh, the Germans are coming. Yeah. <laughs> and so tell me as well then, could we one day see some sort of collaboration between Meshcrafts and, and Tesla? I would love to. So I bumped physically into to Elon Musk one time. Uh, I was at the factory in 2014 doing a tour and I bumped into a guy and I didn't realize it was him before <laughs> uh, 150 meters after I, I bumped into him. But uh, yeah, uh, I would love to work with Tesla. It's a difficult thing, I suppose, bringing a company to market, creating something, you know, having a concept which you then, you know, bring right through to creation, getting it out to market um, and all the experiences, the ups and downs that go along with that. Can you share with us maybe some of the, the biggest challenges or the biggest challenge that you've faced thus far in um, going through the, the Meshcraft's journey? Oh, oh there are so many. Uh... I think the only way to learn how to be an entrepreneur is doing all the mistakes yourself. And by that, I should be fairly good at being an entrepreneur now. Uh, uh, now so uh, on a personal level, uh, I think the hardest thing for me was firing my friends. Okay. Uh, that is probably the toughest decision I ever had to make. Uh, uh, getting friends and co uh, former uh, co-founders out because uh, unfortunately it didn't work out. Mm. Uh, living on the edge of bankruptcy <laughs> is also really hard. Uh, uh, it's very easy to be an entrepreneur when it's not anybody who's getting a salary. But um, uh, once uh, you start giving out salaries and your uh, co-founders and employees are, are buying houses, apartments to live in, and uh, you just see the burning rate is way higher than your I income, and uh, and you need to go out and uh, and ask for money. Now that's that's also hard, but in a different way. Um, so I, I would say those two are are uh, uh, probably the the most challenging things. Mm -hmm. And uh, on, on the 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 next level is actually to let anybody else decide stuff for your baby. What do you mean by that? So that means in the beginning it was me and some co-founders where I did lots of things and I, I I was the company. And that's not scalable. Uh, and then giving somebody responsibility of your baby, your company, that's really hard. It's getting easier the more you do because you see it actually works out better because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, nobody can do everything. Um, 
And for me, it was quite a relief when I could uh, hand over the wheel to my co-founder to do all the stuff that I wasn't good at. It took some time to, to, to realize that this needed to be done and it was a relief, but once it was done, it was brilliant. What was it that kind of made you say, okay, the best thing for the company is to, you know, for me to step down as CEO and have somebody else in that place. And, and how has that gone? So, first of all, it's gone really, really well. Uh, there, there's partially two things. I'm not good at all the CEO stuff. So, and I don't think it's fun. Mm. Uh, but I do love uh, uh, to make products, figuring out the models, the way into the market and all these things. And once I then could have somebody who could do the stuff that I wasn't good at, that he could do better, it was quite easy to, uh, to let him do that. Uh, so it's just realizing your own constraints and your own strengths and, and try to build the team to do that. I, I don't need to be a CEO to be proud of the company I built because mm-hmm. I'm proud of the company, not of my title. That's so interesting because I think so often in early stage companies, early stage startups that uh, egos can sometimes get it in the way of what is the mission that your the team is trying to achieve. And it's clear that you had the self-awareness, I suppose, that you were better placed somewhere else as opposed to being in the CEO role. And that's actually been better for the company in the long run. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people don't have that. And I think that's very commendable, actually. Yeah, but so so I've seen some uh, so many else that done this transition and just figuring out. But I think like you always have to see what's best for the team and best for the company, and uh, uh, figuring out what's best for the greater good. Yes, exactly. So so even though it's really cool having the CEO title and all <laughs> that things, uh, it, that couldn't weigh more uh, weighing more than actually getting the company to move forward yes yes what is the greatest success that Meshcrafts has had to date that you're most proud of <sighs> yeah um unfortunately i'm not allowed to talk about that okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um so we are i would say still say a small company from Norway, yeah. not the, the center of the startup world. But uh, we've been able to produce a solution which has attracted major players in the market. And uh, uh, just by uh, the reason why I'm in Germany was because uh, one German car manufacturer and uh, our part and our energy partner asked us to come down and set up shop to work with them. Ah, fantastic. So uh, that acknowledgement uh, was really good. And uh, again, something I can't really s- say yet, but uh, one of the major OEMs of charging station has chosen to use our software technology on their chargers in Norway instead of their own. So, so, so that kinds of things uh, makes me proud that we are able to be so good that the big ones are 
willing to change to us. That's such a vote of confidence in you, your team and your product. Congratulations on that, Osmond. That's fantastic. Thank you. And then I suppose to wrap up, you have uh, been on this entrepreneurial journey since 2013. You've had ups, you've had downs, you've had changes, uh, you have, you've had whole pivots um, within the company. What advice would you give to someone thinking of creating a startup or perhaps somebody else at a similar stage in their business, a similar size company as Meshcrafts? What, what advice would you give to them? Talk to your customers. Get feedback. Make sure you solve the problem for the real customer. Ask why until there is no answer to why. So you need to really, really understand your customer to actually build a solution. Don't assume you know, ask. And always talk to people. A great idea is worth nothing. A great execution is worth everything. That's, yeah, that's so succinctly put. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You're at a really interesting juncture at the moment in the business. You've got some very productive and, and interesting collaboration efforts going on at the moment, which I'm so happy to hear about for you guys. And you're looking at the moment for investment. Is there any way that, um, let's say, prospective investors should reach out to you or prospective customers or anybody who is looking to, let's say, have a partnership agreement with you or explore your platform further? Yeah. What, what actions should they take to get in touch with you or what, what would you um, like to have happen next? So, yeah, uh, so if anybody's interested in what we're doing, either to invest or to, to actually use our product, just shoot us a mail either at post at meshcraft.com or to me directly at double A-S-M-U-N-D at meshcraft.com. And I'll be happy to, to help you understanding the business and what we're doing and see if our ch- solution could be beneficial for you. Fantastic. Osman, again, thank you so very much for joining us on Startup Scout. I really enjoyed the call and I know that our listeners will too. And I wish you and all the Meshcrafts team all the best over the next 12, 24 months and beyond uh, as the EV market grows, takes off, and we're all going to be swapping over from petrol to electrical. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And... uh... Good luck to all your listening listeners out there. Thank you very much, Osman. Bye-bye. Okay. Cheers. Bye. As man-made climate change has become indisputable fact, our very survival as a species relies upon alternative fuel sources and some radical changes to human behavior. What this means for us in terms of transportation, well, the relentless forward march of progress clearly points in the direction of electric vehicles. Osmond and Meshcrafts have built an outstanding platform that simplifies the entire digital infrastructure needed by providers of electricity charging points if they want to service their consumers in the growing EV market. On the consumer side, the team has built Smart Charge, an app that allows electrical vehicle drivers to get from point A to point B with the full confidence that they'll be able to recharge easily on their journey. Husband as a founder and now former CEO has had to make really tough choices and decisions to get his startup to where it is today. 
He has personally demonstrated real courage and conviction as a founder, and this, combined with a top-notch team, not to mention a product which solves real problems, makes Meshcraft an extremely promising company. For prospective customers looking for digital infrastructure to their electrical vehicle charging points, Meshcraft seems like a natural choice. For specialists interested in the space, Meshcraft looks set to grow its team once further funding has been taken on. And for prospective investors, Meshcraft provides a fantastic Series A opportunity in a nascent but growing market as a confluence of improvements to manufacturing, government policy and societal attitudes begin to take effect. Thank you again to Usman for taking the time out to chat with us and I'm excited to see how integral Meshcraft becomes to the emerging EV marketplace as we as a society move away from diesel and petrol engines. And thank you to you, our listeners. I hope you enjoy this episode of the show. If you'd like to learn more about Startup Scout, just visit us at startupscouthq.com. We're lining up our next interview, and I'm excited to bring you our next great startup story. Finally, if you liked this episode, and if you liked the show, then please leave a review on the iTunes podcast store. Leaving a review has a huge impact and really helps others find the Startup Scout podcast going forward too. Thank you, and ciao for now.